This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Our latest podcast involves the minor league starting pitcher of the year in Taj Bradley. Taj had a remarkable season going 12-3 with a 1.83 ERA between Charleston and Bowling Green. At just 20 years of age, Bradley worked over 103 innings this year and struck out 123. As you'll hear in our conversation, he has taken major steps on and off the field to become one of the game's top pitching prospects. In addition, you'll hear from one of the most experienced pitching coaches in the race system, R.C. Lichtenstein, about what makes Taj so special now and potentially in the future. We start with our wide-ranging discussion with Taj Bradley, beginning with what it means to win minor league starting pitcher of the year and how we found out. Finding out, I really, um, like coming towards the end when they said the uh, the um, the name would be released, I don't know, I just stopped kind of keeping tabs because I felt like if I was to check too often, I would get anxious. But um, so I got the text from my mom as like in a previous interview, I said I found out about my Lily East Pitcher of the Month for the first time. <laughs> so she's the one who will keep me informed on everything because uh, it seems like she checked hourly. Um, but finding out was awesome. I mean, I was excited. Like I said, if I was checking too much, I would have been anxious. But um, I was excited to see that um, the way my year turned out, I was able to win this um, achievement. And it was really awesome for me. What made the year special? What do you think contributed to such a really good year, Tosh? So I, I would contribute to growth. I mean, mentally, um, that was my main view because mentally it was more about um, attacking hitters, um, not giving them a good pitch to hit. And if it was, it would be my best pitch. I wouldn't be lenient and try to throw, you know, the perfect pitch, the perfect strike because it might not be my best. Um, so just attack the hitters, and if they get a hit, I'd rather them get a hit off, you know, some of my best stuff than try to ease around the zone and, um, you know, nitpick pitches and try to be perfect. So just attacking them helped me. Mentality, once runners got on, realizing that they don't have to score, and that's a run that could just stay on the base and I can get out of the inning. So figuring that out and um, – my pitching coach in Loway, RC, he would say it's like athletic arrogance. So you're still a good teammate off the field, on the field. But once you're on the mound, you got to have like some athletic arrogance about you to know that, you know, it's me. It's me and the hitter going up against each other. And, you know, I'm the one who believes I can come out on top. So that's the mentality side of it. Is that the first time you had heard that phrase, the athletic arrogance? And, and is that did that kind of help you turn a corner in terms of the way to think about it? Yeah, that was the first time. Because before then, I don't know, coming into pro ball, I was kind of humbled because, I mean, I didn't start pitching until my 12th grade year. So I was kind of like a blank slate coming into pro ball. 
I know on what to expect. So I kind of humbled myself. So on the bad outings, you know, I'm humbled. On the good outings, I'm humbled. But once he told me that, we sat down and talked for a while and realized that, you know, that's the mindset that you can have and that you should have to help you become dominant or, you know, just help the outing just be more successful. You know, you're not up there humbling yourself to hitters. And, you know, it's like kind of giving them the chance to win, you know? Like, okay, this guy, you know, he's a good hitter. Um, you know, he's kind of t a tough at bat. And maybe I need to, like I said, start pitching perfect. But I don't know, once that athletic arrogance came in my mind, it just kind of took the game away. It just made a lot of stuff easier. Are there any other things, Taj, that you did mentally that you think got you stronger? Um, because it's, you know, a lot of times I, I've got a teenage athlete myself and, you know, they always say you got to be tougher mentally. The, the easy thing is to say it. The hard thing is to go about doing it. Yeah. Um, so mentally tough. Yeah. Um, like bad outings. My first outing wasn't the best. Came back the second outing. It was better. Third outing. It's kind of rough again. But um I don't know. I find bits and pieces like random words of wisdom, just going around the locker room or talking to a coach or another player. And it was just picking up that, yeah, you should be tough on your outings, you know, mentally tough, but also realize that you're still human. So it's OK to have that emotion if you feel like you weren't having the best day that you wanted to or if the outing didn't turn out the way, you know, so um, just realize you're still human and you can, you know, let those emotions flow. And once it's out there, it's out there. You get over it. You get back to work the next day, figure out um, what you could have did better. So I picked up something on a podcast because I'm always listening to them. It was like either win or learn. So you either win the game or you learn from it. So if it wasn't the best, you learn what you need to um, capitalize on and what you need to take into your next outing. So that's what I started doing and journaling it so I can remember. All right. You brought up two interesting points there. So who do you listen to podcast wise and how did the journal start? Yeah. So it started off uh, randomly like on road trips because these car rides are like eight hours sometimes or bus rides, 14 hours once you got to high. But so Mike Tyson podcast, that's a good one. I feel like he has a lot of words of wisdom to, to learn from, from his whole career. And also um, I would listen to um, I Am Athlete with Brandon Marshall and Chad Johnson and all of them. So those are the main two. I mean, I'll pick up, like, an inspirational, like, lecture from, like, Jim Carrey or Will Smith or Denzel Washington or something like that. Just just listening to it and picking a few and not trying to absorb the whole thing. But whatever stands out, that's what I take in. And I try to get my own, like um, – understanding from it don't try to like dive right into what they throw at you but you know pick around it and see what i take from it and the journal how did that all start our uh mental skills so i would sit down with all of them and they always bring up journaling 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 and um it was funny because you know i didn't really pick up a pen or pencil since high school so i was like ah i don't know <laughs> So when I started doing that, it was kind of hard because you feel like you have to journal the whole day and remember every, you know, event that happened that day or everything you thought of that day. But 
once they broke it down and it just had to be one thought or one physical like mechanics you wanted to work on or something from that day and it just started to become easier and then I started journaling my outings um pros maybe like I said I wouldn't call them cons but something to work on that turn into pros later down the line and then um routines I started journaling them what felt right that day and building a routine you know for further outings in the future so the journal helped a lot so I can have uh keep record of what I did and what I liked, what I could change. And like from mental, mentally, that's like the biggest jump for me this year, really, because I feel like in my prior years, I wasn't really taking heed of all this information. I would just kind of one ear out the other. Well, you obviously grew up a lot mentally, Taj, but how about on the physical side? Because I heard so much too, just about your stuff, your cutter, your changeup, your fastballs up to 99 miles an hour. There aren't many guys with the stuff you have and evolved as much as yours did. Right. So that was a big jump. Uh, with the loss of the uh, 2020 year due to COVID, quarantine hit. So I was just trying to find places to throw, places to work out. I bought like random gym equipment at home, but I didn't realize the jump until I got back to Instructs. For that year and I saw the velo and my pitching charts and I was like oh like I didn't have a velo gun at home so I wasn't really seeing the numbers so once they told me that I was like okay maybe it's because I didn't have the year and I'm fresh still or so I don't know I try to figure out how like because usually before I was like 90 92 they said I had like the sinker and write-ups and now I figured out it's I don't carry. I'm learning analytics now this year too. But um, so I don't know. I never tried to figure out ways to throw hard. I never picked up, you know, throwing programs other than with the race, and I kind of followed that to the T. But um, other than that, it was a random jump. I I would say I can't give you a direct answer on what you know what caused it. Maybe aging. <laughs> like I'm well, 20 yeah. now. Maybe it's the age mature. Well, yeah, you were one of you were the youngest guy drafted when you were a seventeen-year-old. So obviously, you're filling out. Um, right. What's kind of like the next frontier for you, like physically, mentally? What are the things that you've kind of mapped out and say, "Here's what I'm doing this off season. Here's what I'm working on. Here's how I want to get better." Uh, right now, it's remaining healthy. Um, I've been fortunate enough to stay healthy this whole time while figuring out routines that. You know, I feel better for my uh, next start day. So, like I said, uh, coming into this year, I don't know. It's about routines and mentality, obviously the physical, but I wasn't going to put too much pressure on that to force myself to become stronger. But with the routine, um, I don't know. I figured out, like, my six-day routine for this season that worked good for me. I felt good on my start days, and now it's just capitalizing on that. Um, like band routines, throwing program, like mobility stuff, going into keeping the same mentality I found this year, taking it into um, next year. So um, that's pretty much the only thing. I mean, mechanic-wise, I do a lot of dry work. Um, so figuring that out, a good um, delivery. So just chopping blocks, just picking up bits and pieces. Nothing too serious, but just routine mainly. 
And physically, where were you? How big were you when you were 17 and drafted? And where are you at now? I was 6'1", 6'2", 220. And now I'm 6'2", 208, which is surprising. They say uh, mastic was gas, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I lost weight and I feel better now. I feel like I'm able to get to spots in my delivery rather than when I was 220. And then 2019, I was 230. So uh, just cutting the weight. And now again, physically, that wasn't even like trying. Like the weight just fell off me during quarantine. And I came back looking different with the raise and all the strength coaches were bringing it up. But I guess it was a good thing. Obviously, it was a good thing. And the cutter and the changeup, because I heard those came a long way this year. Who helped with those a lot? And what do you like about those pitches? Yeah, so 2019, I had the curveball. Going into that instructs, uh, I told him I also threw a slider in high school. And then we started tweaking on that. And then Dewey Robertson, I started working with him a lot with the slider. Then the slider turned into a cutter. And that pitch development took a while. I went back home working with it, different grips, release points. So I don't know, feel for it. That took a the whole offseason. Even coming into last season, it was a pitch that I had to develop. And it had its days. It had different shapes some days. And trying to find that happy median um so that worked the change up has always <laughs> been a work in progress since i stepped into the raids organization so i had four different grips maybe five going back and forth and then this year i went back to the fosh grip that i was using in 2019 and i don't uh those mondays we had off those off days i would go out in the parking lot and just toss around and have find some feel for it, whatever worked to get the spin. And um, those two pitches came a long way, I, I see now. Uh, so I'm excited for it to see, you know, what I can do this offseason to make it better. Taj, I heard a lot of great things about you this past season, but I think probably the one of the neatest things was how surprised you were that you even got promoted as dominant as you were. I think it, it spoke to how focused you were mentally on just what you could control how surprised were you that you even got promoted as good as your year was? Um, yeah, it was surprising because um, outing after outing, I mean, the back of your head, you're like, maybe, but not really, like, hoping for it. Um, so then I got to realize, just be where your feet are. So if I just, you know, even if I never got moved up, if I just remain how I was throughout the season, even the low way, I'll be happy, but. Uh, getting moved up was – I was excited. <laughs> it was my first time in pro ball that I got the call up. And everybody has their stories on how they got called up. I think mine was pretty cool. Uh, they just called me to the office. And you don't know what it's for. It could be for, you know, maybe you got caught doing something or something. I don't know. They sat me down. and like, has your mom been in any games lately? Uh, I was like, um, nah, she hasn't been, but I'm pretty sure she'll be at the next one. And they just throw out, like, well, she won't be here for it. I was like, huh? Uh, the next one would be out in Bowling Green. So that's when I found out. And I was, that's cool. I just have one of those stories. Um, but, yeah, I just came up, be where your feet are. And that's pretty much what carried me the rest of the way. I mean, uh, you can't really focus on moving up if you're not really, you know, figuring out your way and where you are, like being consistent and um, developing. So that's 
uh, that's what gets me through the day. Dude. I'll tell teammates, like, oh, we're just here to develop. So <laughs> if you do that, you're fine. You had a successful season. Are you tight with your mom? Or are you pretty close? And how much does she meant to your growth? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. We moved from L.A. when I was four. Me, her, and my two brothers. So it was just us out here for a, the longest of times. Wow. So all we really had was baseball. So, like, long um, tournament days, like Friday to Sunday at the park for eight hours, long car rides, like, even the pre-draft workouts, we were – through it the whole way we went to four and three days through four bullpens in three days we left from the Gwinnett Brave Stadium that morning and right when we left there 12 hour drive to Kansas City did a bullpen there as soon as we got done with that 12 hour drive back to Atlanta and then maybe a week or so later drove down to Tampa uh then right after that, we went to um, oh, where's the Pirates at? Well, we Bradenton. Bradenton. There we go. And then right after that, we went right back home. So I don't know. Since I was four to now, she's been hitting the road with me, long road trips. You know, <laughs> like, that's everything. See, having her at the games, that's that's awesome. And she's been to a lot throughout my minor league series, uh, my minor league career. And she always keeps books and. Like, she has it tallied up, strikes balls, strikeouts. Like, she's been doing that since high school. <laughs> like, she has everything since high school. Well, before then. I mean, you should see our garage. It's nothing but baseball equipment in here. Well, it sounds like you've got a great mom and a, a really, you know, grounded situation. And uh, really excited for the, the achievements you had this year and really looking forward to what's to come for you, Tosh. Yeah, thank you so much, Neil. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, we appreciate Taj Bradley joining us. And now with us is one of his coaches from this past season. And that's R.C. Lichtenstein. And R.C., you've been with the race organization for quite a while. Tell me what makes Taj such a special kid and a special pitcher. Just his commitment to his craft. Um, I, you know, I didn't get a chance to really know him his first couple of years in the organization, being in Double A while he was in short season. Uh, but we connected real early in spring training through his work and just with conversations in the bullpen. And I could see a maturity level and a commitment that really stood out to me. Uh, and it was really fun to watch. What did it mean to have him win minor league pitcher of the year among starters this season? That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, the year we put together is just off the charts. I mean, it's kind of it, – it, I don't think it's it's easy to comprehend what we just accomplished as an organization this year. Um, and yet when I left spring training, I had a staff that was probably one of the best I've had in my 17 years in the organization. Um, you know, Taj was part of that, and, and my mindset having him was, you know, I'm going to start him opening day. I love what I'm seeing. And then we get Cole Wilcox and John Doksakis and Seth Johnson and Ben Brecht. Um, and, and Taj ends up starting the fourth game of the year, and it was actually his only bad start for me. Um, but just to watch him and, and have him accomplish what he did, 
uh, was off the charts. I mean, early in the year, I think he was, he, I don't even know if he was in the top 15 in our prospects, and that obviously was based on what he had done in Princeton. Um, and I just told him, for me, he was the best pitching prospect in the in the low A East League um, and should have been a top two or three prospect in every organization in baseball. And he obviously did show that. You know, give us a feel for what he's like as a kid, um, because I think most people don't know. This was someone who was drafted as one of the youngest draftees at the at the time he signed with the Rays that year. Um, and remember, he missed a year. You mentioned he was in Princeton 19, but in 20, because of COVID, didn't get a chance to pitch. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I know we drafted him at 17 years old. I knew of him early in my time, in his time in the organization. I was aware of him. I had met him through you know, spring training or whatever and, and, and seen him. And, and, but I know that he hadn't really had that coming out party yet. Like he did this year. Um, just watching him, we had, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me is I had a conversation with him in spring training about where his pitches fit and how he could use his cutter. And, and when we got early in the season and we would talk after his start the next day, um, he had a journal out and he, he brought out something and he told me, he told me something I had told him in that first conversation we had in the bullpen in spring training that he wrote down that stuck with him. And I knew right away that this kid was really invested in getting better and learning and not just having a good arm and being talented, but understanding the, the ins and outs of the game and understanding how to use his stuff um, to be able to dominate like he did. And we had some of the most wonderful conversations Um his first outing, as I mentioned, he struggled a little bit, and you could see kind of a lack of intent and a lack of, of aggressiveness. And I just said, look, you got to make the hitters deal with you. you. Your stuff is way too good. Just throw each pitch and know that you're better than a hitter when you throw it. And, I mean, he went on a streak that was unbelievable from then on. I mean, he was he was pitcher of the month in uh, June, went 3-0, and 3-1 with an 082 ERA with two runs in 22 innings. And in July, he was better. He was 4-0 with an 072 uh, with two runs in 25 innings, and he won the pitcher of the month that that month as well. Um, and to see what he did was just so fun because he had an air of confidence about him when he was standing on the mound that he knew that no matter what happened, he was fine. And when you're still that young, you're probably still just scratching the surface. So where do you see the greatest room for growth for him as a person and as a player? You know, I think it's real simplistic because for me, his growth is about knowing that he belongs no matter what level he gets to. And his stuff and his ability to understand how to use it is already there. So if he gives up a hit, he can look in the mirror and say, I didn't execute that pitch. I need to execute it better. He doesn't have that look of, you know, how did that pitch get hit? You know, what what's happening? What, what's wrong? There, it's, never, it's never that look in his eyes. He always knows he's fine. And if he doesn't execute a breaking ball, if he's got to throw a fastball that a hitter's looking for, and instead of getting it at the upper half of the zone, it's more middle. Um, we would discuss the ones where he would get hit and just say, hey, look, that was lower zone. That was in the thigh high. That's where the barrel gets to the ball. Um, or that, that cutter didn't go from strike to ball. It stayed in the zone, and, and that just ran into his barrel. And, and so he understands that when when he has a rough moment or a rough inning, like it's usually his execution. It has nothing to do with the hitter getting to a quality pitch. He rarely, if ever, had a bad result on a quality pitch. What is he like as a teammate? Uh, off the charts. I mean, tremendous kid. Um, he, he's quiet, but he's a, a good teammate. His, his, his teammates loved him. Um, he's, he's, he just has a solid foundation of who he is. He's, he stands for a lot of quality stuff. Um, 
and, and he he just he does his job the right way. He's very prepared. Um, he's always early and 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 ready for what when it was bullpen day, whether it was a throw day, whatever it is. He's he's got a script of what he wants to accomplish in that moment. Um, and you could see his work. It like for me. His his game day was a result of everything I saw the other five days of the week or the other four days of the week. If he didn't pitch twice that that week, he was a Tuesday and Sunday guy this week with the schedule. Give us a feel for his actual stuff. What pitches does he throw? What pitches have come the furthest and what pitches really have uh, still a ways to go? Well, his cutter for me was the was the eye popping pitch in spring training. Like I saw him throw it, and I was like, "Oh, oh my God, that is special." Um, that being said, his fastball is up to ninety nine. He sits. He usually doesn't throw a fastball under ninety five in a given start. Uh, he'll be ninety five to ninety eight with good carry. He he understands how to use his fastball. He was basically a fastball cutter guy for early, early in the year, and. He was still succeeding, and I came to him at one point in time when I saw the numbers. It was probably um, early in June, and I said, "Okay, righties are hitting a buck forty against you, and lefties are hitting three forty against you." It was like a two hundred point difference, and we were trying to invest in the changeup. and And I said, "You know, you're afraid to throw the changeup because you don't want to get hit on it, but lefties are hitting three forty against you, so." Why don't we throw the changeup and see if it's a difference maker? See if that can get the lefty off the off the off speed because the cutter breaks into a lefty, so it's not as dominant to pitch against the lefty as it is a righty. Um, so he didn't have anything soft and and away from a lefty, and for him, soft is eighty nine to ninety one with the changeup, so it's not real soft. Um, but he invested right away in the changeup. We we picked a count, and I said, if you throw a first pitch fastball for a strike, the next pitch is a changeup. Um, and he started with it, and he started using it beyond that. And within four or five outings. The lefties' averages had dropped over 100 points, and when he left me, lefties were hitting 219 against him. Um, and so the changeup is the pitch that came the most, the, the farthest way. But that being said, the cutter and the fastball are still the two dominant big league pitches. And do you see him long-term being a three-pitch guy, or is there anything else you expect him to add to his arsenal going forward? Well, he actually had a curveball. In spring training, he had a curveball. We took it away from him. It was kind of big, and it was inconsistent, and we wanted to really focus on the development of the cutter. Um, he can be a three-pitch guy, or he can maybe add that curveball in as a as a, a, a speed separator early in the count and, and something to steal strikes, um, but not. it wouldn't be added as a dominant pitch. It would be added as a, comp, a complementary pitch for him. And as hard as he throws, is he going to grow more physically? I mean, he's still a young kid. Yeah, he, you know, I, I mean, he's he's put together pretty well physically, and he takes care of himself. His conditioning is solid. Um, you know, uh, how much stronger will he be? Will he look different at 30 than he does at 20? You know, probably a little bit. Everybody does. But I don't know how much more growth physically. I mean, when you're talking about a kid touching 99, how much more is going to come out of there? So... If he sits at 96, uh, 95, 96, can he sit at 97? I mean, how many starting pitchers in the big leagues sit at a higher velocity than that? So um, he's already got the ability to be elite with his stuff. Um, But yet I think his growth can still be very big as far as his understanding the game, his understanding how to read swings, his understanding of what hitters are telling him, and understanding how to have efficient at-bats where he doesn't have to work hard to get outs until it's time to work a little harder. 
And it sounds like from your take, and look, you've seen a lot of really good pitchers come through the Rays system, that at some point he can be a top-of-the-rotation guy at the big league level. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because we've kind of run the gamut now, and you see the arms that have come through, and, and I think Taj, for me, stands out near the top of that list. You know, the, these guys have had great careers, um, but I don't think that there's anything in my estimation that Taj can't accomplish. Uh, if he stays healthy and he continues along the path he's on, he's, he's you know, he's one of the next ones in line. We, you know, is, is Taj that next impact guy, or is there another guy or two between him and the big leagues that's going to make that mark? Um, he's a special kid with a special arm, and, you know, there's nothing about his makeup that makes me believe that anything, that, that there's anything that he won't be able to accomplish. Do his teammates, you said he's a great teammate, do his teammates gravitate to him? Yeah, I mean, he's, like I say, he's quiet, so he's not real jovial, and, and, and you know, he, he kind of, uh, you know, if it's time to be, you know, make jokes or stuff, he's not afraid to be part of that, but he's, he comes in, he's quiet, he's, he's got his routine, he understands what he wants to accomplish. Uh, like I said, we would usually have conversations a day after he pitched, he would either come in the office or we would be out on the field during batting practice, and we'd talk for about 40 minutes and, and just go over stuff and figure out where he's at, and... You know, he, 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 his process is about, you know, you know, filtering stuff and making sure he's clear on stuff and writing it out. Um, you know, as I mentioned, he, he journals and, and is, is really invested. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's, you know, his teammates really, you know, I, I had a good bunch. So, I mean, everybody gravitated to everybody else this year. It was really interesting. Um, but he, he was definitely one that is a quiet leader who, who people definitely gravitate to. Well, it's great to hear about such a special kid. RC, keep up the great work, and thanks for joining us for a few minutes. You got it, Neil. I appreciate it. We certainly appreciate the time of RC Lichtenstein as well as Taj Bradley. Hopefully you now have a better feel for one of the top pitching prospects in the Rays organization. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll chat with you soon.